and it's been going on long before you were born. I'll be back in a few moments. Because 
as you fight the system, you become like the system. You become your enemy, in fact, and corruption sets in. Money runs through fear. It creates fear, fear of poverty, loneliness, ill health, and no treatments. We see this especially in the medical systems of today in the West, where once your insurance runs out, you're handed off to the, the charitable institutions where you're, really you're given palliative care until you die or else you're tossed out on the street. And we say this is progress. We call it progress towards a higher society, a higher civilization, yet we never ask, what is the definition of progress? Whose definition is it, in fact? It's a, a very inhumane system, which is getting worse. Since about World War II, the notches were stepped up a few from what it had been before with the family units, even though that system itself was, was put in place by the same controller's families. The same culture was given to us then to keep the family unit together when they had to breed people for factories. They wanted you to take care of your children who would grow up and go into those factories and go into the militaries, which would be sent abroad to conquer other parts of the world. With the global agenda, we come to the end of this long, long history of takeovers, because that's what wars are. They're takeovers of other nations. You have corporate takeovers through business, the legal system, and you also have war, which is a continuation of business under a different guise. All historians know this, at least the better ones. At the global agenda, the whole world is to be transformed into a more efficient system. The family unit is now defunct, according to the elites. It serves no purpose, and they won't need massive uh, populations working in factories, including China, because the populations of the world are to be reduced drastically. Uh, this is not a wish that they have. It's a goal that they have, and we bear that very clear in our minds. We're not dealing with wish uh, fulfillers here. These guys make goals and make it happen. And they are so confident today, they can pull it off step by step because they have very advanced sciences and they've had people working on most, the most horrible types of diseases and weaponry you can imagine. In fact, you can't imagine just how far ahead they really are. They're so confident today that they've planned the next million years, according to Charles Galton Darwin, the, the grandson of Charles Darwin, who wrote a book in the 1950s called The Next Million Years, on behalf of this world elite, where he talked about the need to cull off all the useless eaters, because there would be no factories for them to work in. Uh, they wouldn't keep people alive just for the sake of keeping you alive, you would have to have a purpose to fulfill in this new world order. In fact, he said, you wouldn't be allowed to be born unless they had a role for you to fill. That's the planned system. We started off with the planned family, family planning, which actually meant abortion. And we just went on from there to global planning, which means global genocide. Terrible thing to contemplate, but I think we better do it very quickly since the elite have contemplated this very thing for a couple of centuries and written about it. We've watched the hype 
of scientists training us, you know, the expert class on television over the years in association with the fictional movies like Outbreak, all to terrify us and condition us through, through programming of the inevitability of coming plagues. And every scientist who comes on from these institutes on bacteriology or virology today tells the same thing. Oh, it's just around the corner. It's inevitable, they say. How strange that all the predictions tie in with plans which they published a long time ago. Vast population reductions for this utopia, this utopia of the elite, where there will be no individual thinkers left to cause them any problems. Every one of the, the great philosophers in recent times at major universities like, like Toynbee, who trained road scholars, talked about this agenda. They're all elitists. They believe truly in their, their plans. They, they believed in their right to dictate the course of the world and everyone in it. And they wrote copiously about it. You can get Toynbee's volumes on history right up to the present. I think it was about 15 volume set, in fact, where he talks about these agendas and the necessity of bringing down the world's populations because in a post-industrial society and a post-technological society, they wouldn't need all the useless eaters anymore. They would just be consumers, and that's bad for the earth. They would take away the resources which the elite's families would need for their coming generations to survive for the next few thousand years. Very arrogant, very open, and the reason they get away with this in these kinds of statements and publications is because the public go into disbelief. We cannot believe that human beings could do these kind of things, plan these kind of things, and actually implement them, pull them off. The reason we can't is because the average person can understand a little lie or a little deception, but they could never imagine planning wars or genocides to fulfill some big agenda. It's not in our psyche because we're not psychopaths, you see. What is interesting, though, is that even the psychopath on the streets level, who's very streetwise, has no problem understanding the elite the only problem the psychopath at that level has is that he's not born into the families with power to implement these agendas. That's the difference. So he generally is recruited on a lower level into one of the, you know, the, the new classes of professions, like being a torturer for the government, one of those types of classes, or, or given a machine gun and told he's in special forces, go off and kill these people. That's where they get the recruits from at the bottom. And unfortunately today, we have lots of them. Lots of them in every country. The Holy Loch in Scotland, this big lake where the nuclear submarines go into from the United States all through the Cold War, and no doubt still today, did a documentary special with the BBC. They showed you the, the two people who would always turn the keys to start off the fail-safe mechanisms for 
setting loose the atomic warfare weaponry. The interviewer asked the commandant of the base, the station commander, how they, they picked these guys and how could they be sure they'd actually go through with it when it was a real thing? And the commander said, oh, he said, it's, it's, they're predictable. He says they're psychopaths. And he, he, he named the tests that were given by the military to pick them for their particular positions. And that's a scary thought. A scary thought that the military use tests to, to seek out the psychopaths for special jobs. Jobs which would perhaps break a normal person with a normal conscience. But they seek out those who have no conscience. Because a psychopath will only please his master and do whatever he's told by someone with more power than himself. That's all he respects, is power, you see. That's the history of psychopathy. With the elite themselves and all of the helpers of the elite, including those that you'll see in, in the, the, the visible spectrum to the public eye, they're also psychopaths who respect those above them with more power. Back in a few minutes after these messages. What it's done to me Lose the love I knew Safely leave through Hi folks I'm Alan Watt Filling in for Charles Giuliani You'll find me at Cutting Through the Matrix uh, there's a lot of material there which you can download for free for those who want to buy uh, the books and the, the DVDs and the MP3s after sale please go ahead, I need the money to keep going I hate even having to say that in fact because I don't like money personally I think we need a different way altogether but certainly not the way of the elites because they plan to do away with money in the long term and give us credits from the government credits which you cannot save up we'll have to use and credits which will also be withheld for social disapproval if you go against the system. This has been written about by some of the big boys, the big players, the top think tanks long ago. I'm talking about different parts of this matrix we live in, the, the world that we think is normal simply because we're born into it and everything exists in its present form a world where our parents didn't know enough to warn us about the tricks and the con games that go on. Therefore, the teachers, the state, as they said they would, has taken over the role of the parents. And the parents' input has a, is of very little value today to the children. They're taught not to listen to parents. We also have all the sciences working against us, a world of experts, you see, as Bertrand Russell said they would bring in. He actually quipped in one of his off-hand remarks that the time would come when a woman would be unable to change a diaper on her own child without the advice of an expert. And you know, it's happened. It's actually happened. It's also happened that most people today can't even cook for themselves in the cities. They don't know how. You need experts to tell them, or books put out by experts. Something as basic to survival as that they can't do. Experts guide our lives. They tell us what to think and what to wear. 
what our opinions should be. And we never question them. We never question their motives either. Psychiatry has been one of the greatest tools beginning in the 20th century to manipulate whole populations into what's now a new normal. Freud started this off, basically. He was paid to do so, fronted to do so, made famous like all famous stars are. Just like Darwin was made famous. No one had heard of Darwin. The media made him a superstar before his book was even published. That's how you create stars. Same happened with Freud. And psychiatrists, including psychoanalysts, have painted the picture of a normal personality, which is never terribly sad and never terribly angry or never too excited. Then they use words like infantile or neurotic to denounce certain traits or types of personalities that don't conform with the conventional pattern of a normal individual. When you think of this kind of influence, it's no way more dangerous than the older, honest form of name-calling, because that's all it is. It's name-calling. Then, of course, then when you were called a name, the individual knew at least there was some person or some doctrine which criticized him, and he could fight back, but you can't fight back against science, you see. It's science. So how can you have a world of billions of people and yet we're all supposed to conform to one personality type. Hmm? This is what we're taught by science, what is normal. We saw the same thing with, with the McKinsey report. McKinsey report. McKinsey was put up there again as a superstar. And he wasn't the first one to be put up because in pre-Nazi Germany, during the Roaring Twenties, uh, there was a, a German put up in front there to do the same thing, to bring sex to the fore even at a museum of sexual perversions, this particular guy, to try and standardize all of this as being normal for everyone and to make people think, if you're not into this, there's something wrong with you. Well, eventually, they were all kicked out of Germany and a lot of them went to the U.S., in fact. Then they came up with Kinsey, the same darn thing, in the United States, well-financed by the big foundations, the Rockefellers and the rest of them, and his job was to make everyone on the planet, especially women, think that if they weren't going around with a thousand guys per year doing all kinds of weird and odd things, there must be something wrong with them. The idea being to destroy, once again, the family unit and tradition. Tradition had to be completely destroyed to bring in the new, according to the master builders at the top. And they did this very well with unlimited financing and with unlimited media attention, constantly spouting this nonsense. It isn't until years later, once they changed all the system, and remembering his books were used in courts of law, judges would refer to his books in special cases and use that as a ground of law. We find out later, it was all bogus. He hired prostitutes to do all his studies on anything but the average individual. Back after these messages.
Bye, folks. Alan Watt filling in for Charles Giuliani. Look into my site, Cutting Through the Matrix, on much, much more of these topics going into more depth, in fact, to do with how culture is used, altered, made to be fluid, in fact, and reshaped into new directions. Plato, the philosopher of ancient times, a member of the ancient societies, the secret societies of his day, of the aristocracy, talked about culture, creation, in great detail, and how that even in his time, no culture, no cultural change was allowed to come from the grassroots. It all had to be come down from the top down, be authorized. Anything from the grassroots uh, that wasn't in the plan of the elite could have disastrous consequences because it would have ripple effects which were unforeseen. That's why even during the Cold War, and I wondered about this when I was young, I knew that the communists had implemented a department of culture. And I thought, why would you do that? Why would you have a department, a governmental department of culture, if you, the people, were the culture? Then when I looked into Britain and all the other European countries, and Canada even, they all had the same things, departments of culture. Why would you fund departments of culture and then when you look into what they actually do you find the biggest authors that write about the quaint little stories of your past or your or your peoples and so on are all paid by the department of culture to give a specific generally false idea of the remote or recent past they also dish out the grants to the so-called budding artists you know the ones who who make odd things out of metal look very ugly and and they call it some particular name and an art museum or or some public works place will, will, will put outside a, a building that's what they fund the nihilistic programs nihilism being essential when you want to break the ties with the past or normalcy of any kind it puts you into a fluid state a psychic state and this is part of the, te- the techniques of mind control through rapid change We've got, now got evidence from, uh, from uh, declassified documentation from London and, and the U.S., Washington, D.C., and the Pentagon that they were heavily involved with the departments of culture creation for every country. And they funded all of the, what we thought were left-wing groups. The idea being if they made left-wing groups which are more radical than any left-wing group, then they would lead all the left-wingers. And that's how simple it was. They did this. And they funded these artists. They also funded a lot of the music industry as well, which gave you, especially during the 1980s, that nihilistic lost boy type image with the wailing sounds that was meant to create a depressing uh, uh, sort of ambience for a a depressed era where there was no hope generation X they called them these are the ones that wouldn't have work or steady work in their lifetime they were written off X that's why they were called X you see nothing in this world is as is presented to us according to the elite who call us all the profane those in the darkness that's why their symbol is Moloch the big owl you see 
and I will seize in the dark. We don't. We take the world as it's been presented to us from birth. We don't question. In fact, we're not given any clues as to why we should even question. Who would suspect getting born into this world that everything around you was one big lie? But that's how it is, you see. That's the, that's the, the tragedy of the existence we live through. It's also the matrix. The movie was modeled after this, these very topics which I'm talking about right now. The matrix was a computerized system, a system where everything that happened to the characters involved already had programmed events built into them. Every possible maneuver you could make was pre-thought like a great chessboard. The only difference is with us, the profane, you see, you don't even know you're on the chessboard. You don't even know there's a game being planned and that it's actually played and you're on it, you're in it. And you're a pawn. Those who ask for truth and phone me up will be very sincere, but I'll tell them off the bat, do you really want the truth? Because you cannot just open Pandora's box and close it again. Once that light's hit you, you will never be the same again. Your opinions, your ideas, your ideals will be drastically forever altered and you will never be able to go back to sleep in the same way. Opening Pandora's box means you will have to act in your life. You will have to do things in your life. If you don't, the knowledge would turn against you and actually destroy you. Many People, young people, were very bright. The ones who've escaped the, the, the side effects of their inoculations, which are meant to dumb them down, will turn to drink or drugs. The, the real thinkers will see too much, but there's no one to fill in all the blanks for them and explain it to them. So they start blaming themselves as to why they cannot get on in this society. In fact, they don't really want to get on in this society. They don't want to become a good, a good successful killer-type person and, and climb over others to get to the top. And so they turn inward on themselves with the knowledge they have and try to self-destruct. So I always tell the young ones, if you want, I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to get out of this. I'll teach you how to become constructive with your thoughts and how to become active with your thoughts and your way of living, and how to teach other people, because we're at a critical time now. This is the last generation who'll be able to talk and say and convey and pass on the wisdom that's been passed on right now. The, the ones coming up will have had the, the, the biggest doses of inoculations than any generation before, inoculations which have targeted their immune systems, and, in fact, their higher critical thinking abilities. It's only those now who have, the, who have the knowledge and who have lived long enough who can pass this wisdom on. And that will be forbidden very shortly. The bills that were passed, at least the executive orders that were passed recently in the United States and other countries, are now getting rather heavy. They want to confiscate the property and assets of anyone speaking out against this war agenda of the government. The same technique that was used in the Soviet Union 
is now being used here. In the Soviet Union, they called it anti-government propaganda. Anyone accused of it lost all they had. And those who seized their property, the police forces, the military forces, etc., sold it off and split the loops. The same laws that we already have in the Western world. Because the Soviet model was the trial bed, that was a big laboratory, which were to be used on a much larger scale, the scale of the whole world, in fact. Michael Gorbachev, when he was still the president of the Soviet Union, gave his last speech to the Politburo, which has been published. You'll find it if you go back into the archives of the Toronto Sun under Eric Margolis, who was the reporter. Read that speech. Because he said to the Politburo, you will shortly hear of the end of communism. Don't believe it, he said. We're moving on to the next phase. The next phase, of course, is the measure of capitalism, which it was intended to do from the very outset. He said that the end result would be something not quite communist and not quite capitalist. What he was referring to was a system of fascism at the top with the bulk of the populace run by a bureaucracy of in a communist type manner. That's what we have now. That is the UN agenda. The United Nations was set up to take over eventually as a form of global governments. So the young people should stop beating their heads against the brick wall and wondering why they're so lonely. They can't get relationships. Can't get relationships because everyone now is dysfunctional. They're trying to emulate a style that's gone out of style. It's old-fashioned. It's gone. Because the genders have been under attack for a hundred years or more to split them up to make sure that the family unit could not survive. Government wants to be able to talk directly down to you as the individual with a television screen in your house one day telling you what to do. And you look around for those around you, your friends, relatives, to come around and stand beside you while they won't be there. They won't be there. That is why they had to destroy the family unit because the family unit is still the embryo last vestige of a tribal unit it gives people cause to stand up for other things and perhaps sometimes disobey government. The same type of inconvenience they found with the religions which had served the elite so well for, for thousands of years to make the people obey, but the religion still had something in it which they couldn't, they couldn't dispose of completely. And that was that you had the choice ultimately of obeying a tyrant king or obeying your god. And that was a a real nuisance to the elite, so they had to destroy religion too. It had served its purpose well for the majority, but it still had that little embryo there, that little spark of disobedience when there's a clash between government's wishes and the laws of your God, whichever God that was that happened to be. Margaret Thatcher, in her world tour, the tour which was called the New World Order, spoke at Massey Hall about this, about the coming wars in the, the early 90s, and she said it would be against religious fundamentalists. Now, she meant the, the Muslims, of course, 
which also meant all religionists. And that meant all fundamental religionists. That's Catholic and Protestant and Jews and and Muslims. Everyone. The only ones that would be exempt were the passive ones, like Buddhism, because it falls right in line, Buddhism, with the new agenda for the UN of an evolutionary kind of religion. Evolution is not incompatible with Buddhism or even Hinduism. You'll find evolution came from Hinduism because that was always the higher religion of the mystery religion. In Hinduism, they, they start off with the primordial slime and amoebas and things that grow out of it, simply evolving through the will of Brahma to become something better and better. They, call, they actually call this evolution becoming. It's called becoming. Freemasonry is modeled after Hinduism. And Charles Darwin's whole theory, which was just taken from his grandfather before him, on the theory of evolution, was a, a reiteration, a public reiteration of the higher pre-Masonic religion that already existed. It was an expose of it. It was also intended to be the first step to desecretize human beings to get them to start to give up their thinking that they, had, they were something special, that life was something special, uh, that others around you were sacred in a way since everything was made by some great creator. Once you threw that out the window, put yourself in line with the animals, it was much easier to control you and justify why they were controlling you. You had less rights than to stand up for and say, wait a minute, I'm a human being. I'm, I'm a creation. No, you, you're just a fluke of nature. That's all you are, they tell you. And you believe it, and you've just thrown away the only defense you ever had against them. When we begin to kill at any extreme, whether it's the very young or the very old, and they always go for the weaker ones first, and we accept that as a culture, how can we possibly stand up to the elite when they say, well, there's just too many of you, you're inconvenient, you're in the way. We have no arguments, we have no leg to stand on. And that was their planning all along. In academia, many topics are allowed to be discussed, which cannot be discussed in public. And I understand why not, because some of the topics are so emotive, people could become violent over them. In academia, you must become, to an extent, dispassionate and stand above and look at something from the outside. Just look at the effects, as the elite themselves do, and their think tanks do. When you start at the abortion end of the scale, for many, many reasons, inconvenience, can't afford them, again, there's economics for you, um, or, or the very fact that you have promiscuity, or whatever it happens to be. The fact is, if you kill off life because it's just unwanted at the moment, or it can't be afforded at the moment, how can we stand up when they start killing off the elderly? Or want to kill off all the rest of the, the useless eaters that don't have factories anymore, they don't have the economies anymore, 
we're excess population. We've lost our ground for our arguments. And this was a cleverly planned agenda to make this so. Ancient religions, long before they were tampered with so heavily for political reasons, always reinforced that, the sacredness of life, knowing that if it was thrown out the window, hell would break loose by controllers. And the worst tragedy is, today we're so selfish, so incredibly selfish, in the me generation, we don't care about other people. We don't care what's happening to other people, whether it's wedding parties in Iraq who get bombed from the air by mistake, supposedly, or people dying because they can't afford medical treatment. And all of these things in this great society, that most advanced society we've ever had, we're told, the most progressed society, if we don't care about these people, then believe you me, the big eating machine that goes around chomping at people will come round to your door in the end. You can't escape it. I'll be back with more after these messages. Standardized answers, and that's the key to all of this, is 
standardization. In the higher Masonic traditions, they talk about the standard. The standard is the flag that's, that's put into a hole in the ground at the beginning of battles. That means that the land have taken over, or shortly will take over, is going to be standardized under their system. They are standardizing the whole planet right now under one system. They have decided that all of the junk genes, which the commoners are made up of, apparently, have no chance to evolve any further. And that all of those who have evolved the highest levels are already in positions of power, or at least helping those in positions of power. Darwin and others even discussed the possibility of this happening. This religion of theirs called evolution. H.G. Wells, a man who put a lot of non-fiction works out there, disclosed a lot of their, their thoughts. He was a, a worker for them. He also admired Plato's Republic, which he called the blueprint for the coming utopia, this utopia of the elites. You'll find uh, this particular book is mentioned often with many of the big players in this agenda. I'll be back after the following messages. is a fairly recent phenomena 
Before that, it was it was areas and habitats and groupthink, towns and villages, and you conformed to the system or you were shunned by the system. It wasn't until really the, the beginning of the 1800s that the whole idea of individual thought could be very, very important, in fact. If you look at small children, you will often see spontaneity coming out of them. They have uh, an ability to feel and think, which, which is really theirs. It's, it's personally theirs. Not because they've been told to respond in a certain way to this or that situation. And the spontaneity will show what they say and what they think, and in the feelings that are expressed in their faces and in their drawings and so on. If you ask what makes for the attraction small children have for most people, it's really that, apart from sentimental and conventional reasons, the answer must be that it is the sound quality of the spontaneity that attracts us. It's something that we are supposed to have ourselves, but has been drummed out of us. Life in the system, which is anti-human, tends to drive it out of you. It makes people dead. And the sad thing is, you find so many people, when they hit about 50 years of age, become desperate. They're, they're saddened. They're deadened to this world, which they can't really understand. They're fed up with the worry and the scurry and the tensions and the fears of poverty, losing their job, losing their family, which they generally do today, and so on. And they become dead and they look forward to getting a pension and retiring. It's like, it's like a, a, a runner going through the tape. I can just get through there, I'll get my pension and retire and I'll be out of this rat race for a while. That's what they hope for. And what a sad ambition for so many people to look forward to retiring. Because we know once we retire we get older and sicker especially in this day and age with all inoculations we've had and the rotten food that's genetically modified to serve that purpose to make us even worse. And you won't live very long, so you won't have much time to, to enjoy anything. And with the cost of living going up by the magic wand of the man at the top, you can't relax even then. Life is drummed out of people. The spontaneity, the creativity of individualism is under incredible attack. In the industrial era, we saw the rise of what they called from the feudal system and the collective to the mass man. The mass man, uh, even though he thought he was an individual, really was conforming to one or other groups that were laid out before him to join. And from that, we have the mass indoctrinations the mass agenda for the masses today. I'll be back after these following messages. Alan Watt standing in for Charles Giuliani. 
please look into my website at Cutting Through the Matrix, where I go into a lot of this amazing matrix that we do live in, with different levels of it, how we have gotten to where we are, and where we're supposed to go from here if we allow it, and what the consequences will be. Lots of stuff for free. And you can take the transcripts as well and uh, download those and pass them out to people you know. Don't expect miracles because we're living in a, a time of choices where people are, wittingly or, or otherwise, choosing the future for themselves. The, the choice not to know is a choice. We have to respect that. People are choosing. Many people uh, like this world of slavery. They like this world where the slave is guaranteed X amount of dollars every week and can buy the little rewards from China that don't last very long, but then they can buy more the following week or the following month. They like the idea that there are these special people above them who are managing all the severe and heavy, weighty problems of the world for them that gives them time to play, and to mix and socialize and talk trivia to each other and smile and sip wine and laugh. What we're down to in this day and age is a battle for the individual self. We understand that if you lose selfhood, individuality, you go into a state of masochism. And this is what fascism is based on, sadomasochism. The sadist and the psychopathic sadist worship power. They worship power for power's sake. They detest anything which is weak. And they will tell you, and in many ways, of how they hate the weak. People are not allowed to be sick. There's something wrong with them if they're sick. You'll hear this said, in fact, in conversation. Power is the key. And George Orwell, who wrote 1984 in 1948, the actual title of the book was going to be called The Last Man, but his publisher chose that that shall, uh, 1984 is a reversal of the year it was published. But he said, he's been tortured by, by O'Brien. O'Brien would have no problem getting employment today in a, a high government level with all of his techniques and knowledge. But O'Brien said, in answer to, to Winston's query as to why they did it, when they already had everything you could possibly want. And O'Brien said, power just for power's sake. Unending power, you see. It's hard for normal people. In fact, it's really impossible for normal people to imagine this kind of mentality. That's why they get away with it. They look like us. No, they're not reptilian. No, they're not uh, Nephilim or anything else. They're, they're psychopathic human beings. And we better understand what psychopathy is, and it's not difficult. Go into the books, study it, study the ego side of the psychopath, and you'll find that sadomasochism is a tremendous part of it. You'll find in all big military regimes, the officer corps worship the people above them, and they're sadistic to those beneath, below them. They worship power. 
will do anything they're told by their leader or their master, the one who's achieved ultimate power. This is the system that's been brought in today, which will have control over all of us. So the annihilation of the individual self and the attempt to overcome the unbearable feeling of powerlessness are, are only one side of masochistic strivings. And then the other side is the attempt to become a part of a bigger and more powerful whole outside of yourself and to submerge yourself and participate in it. In other words, a much more powerful group. This power can show the form of a person or an institution or a god or the nation or conscience even or a psychic compulsion. Becoming, by becoming really part of a power which is felt as much stronger than anything else around you, something that's eternal and even glamorous at times, you participate in, in that kind of thing, and, and you'll feel its strength and its glory. If you find people who were around Hitler with his speeches, they always said that even though they didn't believe initially when they walked in in the philosophy of, of Nazism, and Nazism was not just a national thing. Don't believe that for a minute. That's a cover it was an elitist international doctrine which simply started with national socialism. The people who went in and heard Hitler speak talked about how hypnotized, how caught up they were in the raw emotion of, of this man that was felt by the group all around the man. And it was the kind of hysteria almost that you will see if you're on the stage in a rock group where you know you have the crowd in the palm of your hand and you can sway them in any direction you want. It's much the same technique. But sadomasochism comes in to the worship of the all-powerful leader that promises you utopias and better futures to come. It's always strange to find that going through history, they never materialize. In fact, when you fight for something to overthrow a terrible power, you often find you end up with a worse one in its place. It's because it's the same power that's still in control. It's just changed hats because the sadomasochists, those who worship power above them and hate the weaker below them, are still in charge because they belong to all sides, all groups, and all eras. They used to be called in ancient times the deviant creation because their whole world is a form of deviant thinking. They must dominate to control, and they cannot leave anyone else in peace. Again, difficult for the average person to comprehend, because hopefully the average person doesn't want to dominate and control those around them. You will still see it, because I, I do believe, just from my own observations, that, that there are just as many psychopaths at the top and all down through the strata of society, down to the bottom level. In books dealing with pathocracy, that's reigned by psychopaths and dynasties of psychopaths. Uh, pathocracy shows you that the pathocrats will give you a psychopathic culture. So even the ordinary people at least will try and emulate the psychopaths by their lifestyles and by their behavior. It's only when it comes to the nitty-gritty would you kill mass amounts of people 
they grow further, that the normal person will have their choices kick in, and hopefully they will say no. In a system of winners and losers, and that's all you see now on television, where you have the stars, the super rich, the wealthy, the Donald Trumps, all these, the Bill Gates, the people who you're trained to believe made it by themselves, but they didn't, you see. They were allowed to come up there. In fact, they were groomed to come up. You don't get into those positions of power unless the doors are opened by the big boys above you. But we are taught to worship them. They've made it. They've become stars. What do they have that we we don't in this world of terror and fear? They have no wants anymore of poverty. They have no fear of becoming sick and being unable to get the best treatment. All of those worries are taken away from them, and so the public are taught to worship them. They call them the stars. The Hollywood stars is the Hollywood, remember. It comes from the Hollywood, the Hollywood that was the staff of the ancient wizardry. You'll even find that in different Bibles and different holy books. They used to call it a holly day. And the holly itself is the green wood, evergreen. It gives the, the leaves in the winter time too. Look at the old Christmas carol, the holly and the ivy. Because there's an occult meaning behind it going and predates Christianity. That's the staff of the Hollywood. Mickey Mouse has his little wand of Hollywood, which waves the magic spell over the people and distorts a reality into a different reality, a fictional one, which we all follow. The stars are all in the culture creation industry. They give you, through fictional forms, your downloading, your emotional imprinting, your viewpoints on things. Because when you're being entertained, it never dawns on you that you're being indoctrinated because your shields are down when you're being entertained. If you go to hear a lecture on something, your shields are up. And so you can analyze each sentence as it's said and dismiss it or accept it. It's up to you. But through entertainment, with the storyline, and with you always identifying with the hero, if you're the male, or the heroine, if you're the female, ancient techniques, you will follow everything they do, including the things you might not necessarily like. You're being given new ways of doing through entertainment. You're being filled with predictive programming, as they call it, in Tavistock Institute in London which is really the world's premier place for mind control and psychopolitics and even the psychopolitics in geopolitics for different cultures. We are living in a big laboratory, a laboratory where everything which is introduced to us is discussed at big think tanks before we even see or hear it or when Miss Jackson's breast was exposed at the Rose Bowl. The Masons do for males. The fire went on behind her. The big Masonic idea. And you didn't know, did you? I'll be back after these messages.
Novak standing in for Charles Giuliani. And I believe we have a call from the Netherlands. Uh, are you on the line? Hello? Yes, I'm on the line. Yes. Who are you? I'm Walter from the Netherlands. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Doing well. Well, I first want to thank you for filling in for Charles. It's always a pleasure listening to your calm voice explaining the dire situation. I want to ask you one thing and then I'm going to hang up fast. I was wondering if you could comment on the current crash that appears to be happening on the market and if you see a global crash coming. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, well, Walter, the... the I'm going to hang up now. Bye. Bye now. I'll answer that. Yeah, we have... Um, we've gone through this before with the supposed crashes and so on. Remember, everything else, again, in, in the system is pretty phony. And that the price of anything is just an idea. But when you have middlemen coming in to fix prices and those who deal with real estate who simply inflate everything out of all proportion regards of the materials in a particular house or property or whatever, then you've got a business taking over. And whenever you have a business, you never have any kind of reality involved in it anymore. You have a game going on for higher profits. So they can manipulate markets up and down like a yo-yo. Um, the only real estate, and this is a very important part, real estate always really meant the land itself, not so much the buildings that were on the land. And they've trained us all since they got us into cities, etc., to to start thinking in real estate as being actually a home. A home is nothing at all, uh, really. Um, it's just a bunch of sticks or, or bricks. Bricks are preferable, and that's, how this, that's the old story in masonry of the, the straw house, the wooden house, and the brick house. In other words, real estate was really the brick house. But yes, it can be manipulated, and there's no doubt that in the future, step by step, but not suddenly, I believe, uh, they will bring down the value of everything as they start to get us all into the habitat areas, because... They've told us that the United Nations, through the Agenda 21 program, that's the agenda for the 21st century, that by the end of the century, it could be the middle of the century, who knows? It could be 20 years from now. They are going to train the public into this new system of living in habitats, and they have stated categorically there will be no private property. It will not be allowed. It will be rental only because... They plan to withhold the credits for your rent if you go against the system. So they must eliminate private property to a step-by-step -step process. I'm sure they will bring us through two or three major crashes and then introduce a new system of government supplement, probably initially, and then the introduction of, of, of uh, rental accommodation only for a new age and they'll tell us all of these reasons. All the experts will come on over a period of two or three years to convince us of the necessity of changing our whole way of thinking and doing. But right at the moment, I'm not too worried. Uh, the U.S. will probably bring it down faster because the U.S., as they said in their own books and materials, as they finish off the last part of their mission, which is to bring the Middle East under control and convince all the residents of the Middle East of the necessity of joining the big global club. As they pay for all of this, their economy is to come down and their 
real estate business and so on will suffer first. I think Europe is, is, is much safer for a, a little while longer. So I hope that uh, answers your question. The, um, if anyone else wants to call in, uh, we can take calls for the next half hour or so. Meanwhile, I'll continue talking uh, about this. This is what I'm saying about perception versus reality. Uh, nothing in the system uh, is what you think it is, including the value of things. Value is an idea. Anything in, in old times that was truly valuable was something which you used and was utterly necessary. But when you create a new perception of value where someone else decides what something is worse or worth, you have stepped outside that, that initial definition. In old times, a tool was valuable, a saw was valuable. It was something you could create a home from or with. But when, when other third parties come in and deal with real estate and gauge the prices out of existence to get a bigger cut, then you're in an artificial system, the same as the moneyed system, the banking system, and you, you've lost all control. It's your decisions and the value is made by other people, even though, as I say, a price is just an idea. The difference being they're taking your right to, to make the idea away from you and put it into the hand of a supposed expert. I'll be back after these messages. Uh, some references to 
the new system of the combination of capitalism and communism that would be brought in to the West. And that was, along with that was the elimination through a series of events. He didn't specify what, what events would be uh, of bringing in rental accommodation. And, of course, he said it was to serve the masses much, much better. So he was alluding to the fact that eventually private property would be done away with. And we're seeing it beginning to happen. Uh, this has always been their intention uh, as to house everyone in habitat areas. Now, the real estate organizations, interestingly enough, um, and they have big organizations of these, these sharks uh, who have got together, and they're touting that this whole habitat uh, strategy for the United Nations is the best boon they've ever had for themselves. And uh, they're building big, uh, high-class-type habitat areas with super modern homes for what will eventually be the bureaucratic elite that runs the system for, for the, the, the true elite. Uh, and they think this is a, a wonderful chance for themselves, while the rest of the public, just as it happened in Britain during the Industrial Age, they drove all the peasantry off the land into these uh, thrown-up, uh, cheaply-built cities like Manchester, Birmingham, and so on. It's the same strategy recurring again is to get the rest of us all off into the major cities which will become overcrowded and disease-ridden and so on. They've written about this. That is the strategy. It's not a pleasant picture, but I'm not here to, to sugarcoat things. I'm here to tell people like it is. So, yes, you're, you're quite right. Um, it's an artificially driven system. When you're not in charge of, of your own property or its value or anything else, uh, then, then you're powerless to resist it. Someone else is in charge. Unseen forces, unseen faces, you don't even know their names. In fact, there's so many layers of them uh, dealing with you all the time, and most folk don't even realize it. It's no different from Rothschild getting up every morning, sticking his finger out the window, deciding which way the wind blows, and putting the value and the price of gold. It's the same thing. It's outside your hands or, or a bunch that meets in, in the Bank of Canada, which is just a floor in a building where representatives from the major lenders meet with an appointee from the government to decide what the value of the dollar will be. It's the same con game. We have never had uh, freedom, uh, definitely not in the financial sector, and they, they knew a long time ago they'd have to take away the real estate sector as well. So, so yeah, you're, you're quite right there. Well, the, the main point I want to make, <clears throat> and, of course, uh, it's a struggle uh, by the elite to subjugate the masses mm -hmm. and to manipulate the masses yep. and to manipulate them uh, with um, information uh, where possible, but um, with force when necessary. Yeah. But I call it, um, I adhere to Mr. Gorbachev's idea that it is socialism, and I call it private socialism. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Federal Reserve comes in. It's private, but it is a part of the effective government. Oh, absolutely. The absolutely. media is privately owned, yep. but it is a part of the effective government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the media 
is an essential part, is an essential arm of government. In fact, used to have the three estates, uh, heavenly, temporal, and, and, uh, and ministerial, and they added on to it the fourth estate, which is the media. That's, that's an official part of the 20th century dogma. So, that, so it, the media is an essential part of governance, you, absolutely. Would you mind repeating that? Yes, I'm saying that you used to have the three estates, and that was your God and, and power, spiritual and temporal, meaning all the way down to a king or an elite. And the, that was always in the dictionaries as the three estates, they called it. Uh, now they've added the fourth estate, which is the media. That's a, that is officially in the dictionary in Oxford, because the media is an essential arm of government. The so media, you're quite right. Yeah. The media is of the essence mm-hmm. in this system they're imposing upon us. That's right. If we can expose the media, mm-hmm. to the yes. extent that we expose the media as being... Uh, it's not being in the interest of the people, but in the interest of the elite. Yeah. And to that extent, we can um, neutralize them. Yeah. And prevent them from running roughshod over us. Yes, the media is so effective, especially since television was given out, to indoctrinate the people into false perceptions, which become the reality. Perceptions become reality, you see how it's presented to you. And whole nations have been trained and weaned and, and brought up on television with the same uh, main news anchors people for, for their whole lives. I consider that it's that they, the, the television uh, hypnotizes uh-huh. its, addic- its addicts. Yep. And um, you alluded to that, I think, mm-hmm. uh, recently yeah. by saying an ad... It took three. It took eight exposures, I believe you said, mm-hmm. to uh, to solidify it in the mind of the observer. Yeah, it takes at least eight repetitions of even a simple advertisement or or a, a term like weapons of mass destruction for the public to yes. remember that and start parroting it themselves. That's the trick. After the eighth one, the public themselves will parrot those terms, those slogans, in conversation with each other. Yeah. Right. Uh, could I give... I have a website that deals with this, uh, these questions of the media and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's um, www. Um, noslow.info in the title of the book the e-book which can be read without cost is um, uh, horrified hypnocritters horrified hypnocritters and the hypnocritters are what most people call sheeple the people that have been hypnotized by the media yeah. And they are led to believe that what's not in their interest is in their interest. Yeah. In what's in the interest of the elite that controls the media. Yeah. Is in the interest of the of the television viewer, which is normally not the case. Yeah. Yeah, television, uh, I mean even television with its uh, 60 hertz cycles 
and its flicker rate and all the rest of it uh, uh, was designed to be hypnotic. And it's always been understood this. It is a hypnotic instrument and it's, it's more easily observed with young children who will sit in front of it and their mouths will just drop open and they'll stare at it. And when the parents try to talk to the children, the children don't hear them. They literally don't hear them. They're hypnotized. But you all see, so, so see adults uh, who are hypnotized too. Now, most main news uh, comes on late at night now. It used to be earlier, around 5 or 6 p.m., but the, the Tavistock Institute did a lot of studies and surveys and found out that when a person's tired around 10, 11 p.m. at night, uh, that was the best time to give them their propaganda through news. And that's why you have it late on now, because you're in a semi-hypnotic state already. You're tired, and you go right into that deep stage of hypnosis, and you're downloaded with all this data. Your, your, your sensor part of your mind uh, is down completely, and, and, and you don't critically think about anything you're being told. But your subconscious will remember it, and you will repeat those terms that are instilled into you so carefully in the following day at work. You'll, you'll, you'll actually repeat the slogans they give you and the terminology they give you. When you're tired and relaxed, then you are more prone to suspend judgment. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Well, so nice to talk with you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that uh, a Canadian show uh, was following up uh, the the members, the, the shareholders of Hollinger Corporation, one of the big newspaper and media chains that was owned by Conrad Black, who was knighted and made a lord, Lord Conrad Black. He's in the news right now over some scandals, but I, I think he'll get off with it because he cannot be tried by ordinary people because in a court of law, you must be tried by your peer group, which means he'd have to be tried by other lords. However, okay, I'll be there in a second. And and also, you, you find that um, the other members uh, were, were seen going into the Hollinger meeting, and Barbara Walters and all these other news anchor people, well-known ones, were all top shareholders in it. So here's the, the shareholders giving you the news they're not just anchor people. They're actually members of it, too. So we have other callers on the line. Uh, who, who do we have here? Hello? Okay, we've got Daniel in British Columbia. Hey, hello, uh, hello, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, Alan, uh, great to talk to you. Uh, Cade uh, Milaforte. Ah, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's great that uh, RBN now seems to have its resident uh, philosopher. Uh, I'm just filling in at the moment, uh, uh, spontaneously, as you might say. I'm, I'm trying not to go into spontaneous combustion. <laughs> no, no, please, please. But no, seriously, it's uh, it's great to to get you know your level of uh, analysis and uh, and insight uh, onto the network. But uh, I, if you'll allow me just for a moment, uh, I'd like to play a bit of devil's advocate. I, I would say, uh, to the contrary, that uh, perception is reality, and yeah. reality in quotation marks, because mm -hmm. what reality is is, is a, a, a very, very uh, extensive uh, study. But uh, on that score, what I'm, I, I would quote uh, Kant, when he said that uh, we cannot know uh, the thing itself. Yeah. 
So that that uh, we actually live in a mythic realm. The the very self, uh, the persona, the ego, the psyche, is mm-hmm. is uh, mythic. Yeah. And so the best we can do at at this point, it seems to me, is to create a more viable, uh, uh, better myth. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. See, Kant himself borrowed heavily from. Uh, both Luther and Calvin, and Calvin's idea was was a form of predestination, which was to submerge the individual into the mass under that very pretense that you could never understand everything. So give up your will to a god or a deity, and, and Kantian uh, uh, philosophy came after that with the same basic idea. However, this has been vastly. But he, did, he did say that Lamp must have his uh, his god. Yes. But we find, again, that the big institutes which took over as psychiatry got involved and psychology got involved with, with behavioral psychology on a mass scale, they found more and more techniques to influence uh, people's perceptions of things and actually use the way that they do perceive, the way the mechanics of perception go into action. They can actually influence and guarantee the outcomes of, of the perception. And this is the problem today. The Marshall McLuhan Center was heavily used by the CIA and other intelligence agencies because they were going into how perceptions are created. But and, just and a minute, Alan, I, I, ha- I happen to be a, a Canadian, and uh, I read uh, Marshall as, uh, as a young man. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this happened, if it did, after his death. Well, even even during his life, I, see, I know well, professors. You're saying that, that Marshall McLuhan was was a CIA uh, uh, operative or agent? Not an operative, but you see, they also got funding. Even the universities, you understand, get funding through agencies and foundations uh, along certain lines. And uh, and uh, McLuhan knew uh, perfectly well. I mean, he knew Professor O'Driscoll that died a few years ago and other ones, and there's some professors still alive that knew him very well. And McLuhan was well aware that some of these ideas could be abused by these agencies. And, and that they Okay, Alan, I hear the music, so I'll just say goodbye, and uh, thanks. So it's great to talk to you. Keep up the good work. I will do. Pleasure to speak to you. We're back after these messages. Standing in for Charles Giuliani, and I believe we've got one last caller on the line. We'll have to make it very short. It's John from Kentucky. Are you there, John? How you doing? Not so bad. Hey, I'm enjoying your show. It's the first time I ever heard it. Uh-huh. And I think the best thing people do with MTV is just carry them out the front door and kick them off the front porch. I agree. I got rid of mine about 15 years ago and, and, and quit all that Christmas and all that other stuff. And it's really changed my life. But after us, Quit watching TV. I can't stand to watch it now. That's right. I mean, it's just like you. Uh, once you figure out it's all a big bunch of BS. But what I really want to get to real fast is uh, to prove people TV's behind it all. And I don't think we'd have to fire a shot to mm-hmm. take our country back here in the U.S. if we just throw the TVs away. Yeah, I believe you? that's what would wake everybody up, take our land back, and everything. 
But in the, in the, in Alaska, the Eskimos, the federal government tried to buy their their still their resources up there, and they never would sell for years and years. And then one day they talked them into taking one TV, and they, for, within a year, the, most of them had five or six TVs. They all quit hunting and 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 and, and wasted their money on four wheelers and all that stuff and ruined yep. the whole society. The television I just want to was tell designed. You doing a good job, but are you religious of anything? Um, in a, a certain different way than most people, if you've studied religions, but the television definitely has been the greatest tool to destroy the communication between people to converse themselves and, and, and share their own opinions and viewpoints. You're quite right. It, it, it's addictive. It's very addictive. It's a illusion and another thing. Yeah. Even if you can get the message across to people, it seems like they know it when he leaves your house. Uh-huh. It, in two or three days of back out there in their house and the TV stuff, they completely forget what she's even talking about. They're I know. back on the same train. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, you're doing a good job. First time I've ever listened to you. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again. And I'll be filling in as well uh, today in a couple of hours for John Statmiller for two hours. Uh, so tune in again, and we'll, we'll carry on this discussion. Just to end this little part here, I'll... Uh, uh, the, the previous caller uh, talked about Kant and Kantian ethics and economics and so on, where Kant said that you could never know everything. But remember, Kant came out of the mass man's era when they were talking about individuality and what was it and how much power did it have. The, the later philosophers even took it further and said that, that individuality was everything and that without individuality, there would be no true creations within the world, uh, no guideposts, no lights to, to guide people into, into more freedom. The mass man, unfortunately, which is conditioned today to be a mass man, is very easily manipulated by the major stream medias. And that's our problem. The, the Enlightenment talked about superiority, which was to dare to know. Dare to know. Uh, ask the questions there to know. Even though you don't like the answers, you've got to ask the questions because only then will you start making decisions according to your conscience. And when that's all you have. That's, that's, your, that's your relation to your deity, in fact, is your conscience. What is right and what is wrong according to you, not by the standards you're taught by society, but what does your conscience tell you? We're living in a time when many of those at the top have no conscience. They are psychopathic, and we must overcome them while we have a chance. I hear the music coming, so that's me for this particular show. Tune in later. I'll stand in for John Stadmiller. All the best for now. <laughs> 